0: Welcome to The Profitable Web Designer, a podcast for web designers who want to work less and make more money. I'm your host, Shannon Mattern, founder of The Web Designer Academy, where we've helped hundreds of web designers stop undercharging, overworking, and create profitable, sustainable web design businesses. Hello, and welcome back to the Profitable Web Designer Podcast. Today, I have so much pleasure bringing you our guest, Angela Bamford. She is the owner of AB Web Designs, a UK-based web design agency that specializes in helping business owners reach the next level in their business. She previously worked as a commercial buyer for various well-known stores before retraining as a web designer and developer six years ago. And after five years, she was close to burnout, still not making enough profit. So she joined the Web Designer Academy in 2022 to learn how to confidently raise her prices and work less hours. So Angela, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to get to kind of talk to you and dig into your story. So can you tell me like, you're working as a commercial buyer and then you just decide like, I'm going to be a web designer. Tell me about that.
1: <laughs> it does sound a little bit random, doesn't it? But I spent over 20, I'm, I'm giving my age away now as well, but I spent over 20 years working as a commercial buyer for some well known retailers in the UK, maybe not in the US, but in the UK they're well known. So and I bought all types of things during my career. I bought toys, video games, electrical goods, and I even bought fashion accessories for a few years as well. So can you imagine I was getting paid to buy handbags and sunglasses? So
0: fun. Why would you want to change that? (laughs) That's what lots of people say to me. But, you know, after four years of buying handbags, it's the
1: same thing again and again. And I I think I just got to that mid-life time where I been doing a career for 20 years, still got another 20 years ahead of me. I thought, do I really want to be doing this for another 20 years? It's, it didn't excite me anymore. I had a young family and there was lots of traveling as well, uh, particularly to the Far East, which meant a long time away from home. And it just didn't suit my lifestyle or what I wanted to wanted anymore. And so I thought, well, what do I want to do? And I'd always really enjoyed building websites for myself and dabbling I remember having a dial-up modem. I was the first one of my friends to have a dial-up modem. And they, they what is this internet thing they used to say to me? And so I thought, why don't I do something that I really enjoy? So I chatted with my husband. He's very supportive. And we decided if I was going to do it, I needed to do it properly. So I quit my job. And enrolled on a full-time course for six months where I learned everything from the ground up. So it was all aspects of web development and web design. So I learned HTML, CSS, PHP, JavaScript, and amongst that WordPress as well, as well as all the design aspects. And that was it. And that was six years ago. And I absolutely love what I do. I think I've been very lucky in my career that I've had two dream jobs (laughs)
0: buying handbags (laughs) (laughs) and sunglasses. Love
1: it. Sunglasses. Yeah. And, and now I do a job that I absolutely love. I love being my own boss. I love not having to answer to anybody else. And uh, that's how I got started. So it was a hobby, but I
0: decided to make a full-time career out of it. I love that. So, you did this training for six six months and learned everything from the ground up. Like, that just sounds so fun to me. I'm like, ah, that would just be so cool to be able to just do that focus for six months. And then when did you make the transition from like, okay, I've learned all the things to getting clients and working with clients?
1: So I graduated after six months and then it was like, I, it hadn't really occurred to me. <laughs> It might sound quite naive now, but all I all I wanted to do was design and build websites. I hadn't actually thought about what went into uh, running a business and the marketing side, etc. So it was kind of the day after I graduated, I kind of sat on my desk and thought, "What now? What do I do now?" (laughs) I can relate to that. I was lucky enough to have a couple of friends who were also retraining to do different things and needed websites. So we, I did a skill swap with one of them. She was a social media manager. So I built her website and she designed a social media strategy for me because I'd also always been a really private person. So I didn't ever like putting myself out out there on social media. And that came quite a shock that, oh my God, I've got to embrace this social... <laughs> This social media, I've got to actually put my face on my Instagram profile, et cetera. <laughs> and then another friend as well, uh, they just wanted a website and were just, just grateful enough for me to do it at an extremely low price, you know, to start building up my portfolio. And the first 12 months were really quite tough, I have to say. The work kind of trickled in. Um, you know, I started to get referrals from those two businesses. But it was a real slow trickle to begin with. And there were a lot of times where I thought, what have I done? I've given up a really good career that I could have gone back to, but I've given up a high, high salary, a really good career. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm earning less than minimum wage. <laughs> so, yeah, the first 12 months were tough. It did take time to build up. You know, in, a, in an ideal world, I would have been doing a job. And it would have been a side hustle and I could have built it up that way. But I knew that I would never commit to it 100% unless I
0: threw myself into it entirely. So tell me about those first 12 months being tough. What kept you on the path? Why did you choose to continue on instead of going back?
1: Well, I was doing something I loved. I loved both the design and the development side of it. So I loved that it enabled me to be creative because being a buyer isn't. It is a. It can be creative. You have to think about store displays, how your how your goods are going to look in the store, but it's not that creative. So I really like that side of it, and uh, the development side really appealed to my analytical brain as well. And so it was because I was doing something I loved and it's because I had my young family as well. If I went back to a full time job, it would have been really, really difficult. Um, My son was only six and he would have had, he would have been in a lot of wraparound care around school at that time. So it was probably him that kept me going. And also I am a very determined person. And I don't like to foul at anything. So it was just keep going, keep going, keep going. And then, so yeah, the first 12 months were tough. Then it started to get busier in the next 12 months. Then the referrals started to come in more. But most of my business I was getting was from referrals. Then COVID hit.
0: Mmm. Like a defining point in like everybody's life, especially Everybody. a small business owner. Yeah. 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 And
1: I really panicked to begin with. And I started to get a lot more inquiries. And I was panicking thinking this is this is this could end at any moment with COVID, you know, that people's businesses could be going, they, they could be going out of business. So I took on every single piece of work that came my way. I didn't, didn't distinguish between the ones that I would enjoy and the ones I didn't. I just took every single piece of work on. And I had so much work. And then it just started snowballing and snowballing because they would then refer me to other people. And I was working most weekends. But, hey, it was in COVID. There wasn't much else to do <laughs> <laughs> on weekends to begin with. So it was it snowboarded, and snowboard. I outsourced work to another designer and a couple of developers, but because I was charging, I was still charging small prices for my work, it meant that I could only hire developers that weren't very skilled and designers that weren't very skilled, so I was still having to do a lot of the work myself on them, and I found that I was still working weekends, and most of my work was now being a project manager which I just didn't want to do that's not what I signed up for and it was just I still wasn't making enough money to earn a decent living out of it and I couldn't turn away potential clients because I needed the money so I yeah. in a cycle of burning out not doing what I wanted to do and still not earning enough money and I knew that I had
0: to charge more but I just didn't know how to do it. And then I found you. I'm so, so glad you did. And as you were sharing that story, I'm like, it feels like a lot of us created some, you know, a lot of web designers and just a lot of business owners like kind of created some, you know, there was a lot of opportunity for us during COVID, but we may have also created some... Damaging, like work habits in terms of like coming to things with like a scarcity mindset that anything could end tomorrow. So I better take what I can get now and for whatever I can get it for, just in case it all goes away tomorrow. And a lot of web design businesses and online businesses like thrived during that. But I think one of the problems that we created is like we got trapped. And it persisted longer than it needed to. And then that overworking cycle and that burnout cycle. And then you find yourself like, oh, let me solve this problem by getting help. But that actually doesn't end up solving the problem because that Mm -hmm. wasn't the core problem. The core problem was the pricing. So when you said you didn't know how to raise your prices, I want to like dig into that a little bit. Like, what were your thoughts around like, what you could charge and what you couldn't charge and all of that.
1: Well I was doing what I, I now know is a is a sin and I was putting <laughs> that, I was putting myself in my clients' wallets. I was thinking they can't possibly afford that. Without having a conversation with them about what they could actually afford, I was making assumptions that they couldn't afford it and that they could only afford a thousand pounds at the most for a website. And uh, your, your course has taught me that that is, a, that is indeed a sin. And I should definitely keep myself out of my
0: clients' wallets. Uh, that's Yeah, I mean, it's we all do it. We all do it. And we get out of their wallets and then we raise our prices. And then sometimes we get right back into their wallets and we realize we're doing it and we have to get back out. I think for those of us that have that tendency, it's something that we continually get to like become aware of and then we're like oh I was doing that and then you stop and then you slowly creep back into doing it and then you have to stop yourself again definitely sometimes I still find myself doing it
1: so particularly for past clients that come back to me for additional work and I think oh will they will they be able to afford that and I actually have a note above my desk that says don't put yourself in your
0: clients wallets I love that, and the other thing, like that, we talk about too, is just like if someone worked with us five years ago and is coming back five years later, like it would be silly of them to expect the same price. They they might have that in your mind, in their mind, and they might be surprised that it's changed. But like, I would imagine it would make sense to most people that five years later. The prices changed. <laughs>
1: <You> yeah, <know? laughs> definitely.
0: It sounds so easy when you
1: say it. And I remember that was one of the first things that you said to me. And it was a real light bulb moment for me. And as well, their, their businesses have grown as well. So they can afford more than they could five years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like for you, like actually the first couple times you made offers with your new prices?
1: It was scary. I think the first time in particular was scary. I I practiced quite a lot of my husband, actually, because saying the numbers out loud and practicing saying the numbers out loud made it a lot easier as well. And I think it is a mental barrier because I was going from, at the time, I think I was going from 1,500 pounds. Sorry, I can't translate that into dollars. That's okay. (laughs) It's about 1,500 dollars but say, say $1,500. And now I was all, all of a sudden going up to $10,000. And it's a real scary number. So practicing with my husband, just saying the words out loud made me feel a lot more comfortable with it. And I also have above my desk, I've got a big wall above my desk. I've also got everything that I do. And that's, That was an exercise that we did with you as well. Is is you know, it's it's not just about a website, it's what else we deliver. And as I'm talking to a client, I will look at up at my wall of post-it notes of everything that I deliver for the clients. And I know that I am worth that now. I know it's just not just a website that they're getting, they're getting so much more, they're getting all my experience and expertise, but It's everything that goes around the website. All the technical things that that people don't realize when they're just asking for a website quote.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that you have a visual of that. I think one of the most important things we can do whenever we are raising prices is we have to be sold first. If we are not sold first you will, will not be able to confidently say that price and practicing is one of the best ways to sell yourself like when you go through a fake consultation with your husband or another web designer academy <coughs> member or a friend or or whatever and you you actually go through this whole process from start to finish of how We teach people to like talk about what they do. And then you just have these like realizations that, like, not only do I put so much into it, like they get so much more out of it than just a website. And I feel like there is, I can say it on this podcast a million times to people and you can logically believe it. But until you have been through it yourself and like felt that shift that, oh, this is worth it. It's hard to believe in in that number sometimes, I think.
1: Yes, it is. It is. You do need to practice it and you do need to go through it. You're right.
0: I love that you made the jump from 1,500 to 10,000 because that's a big jump. And I think it goes Mm -hmm. against conventional wisdom in terms of what all of the conventional advices out there of like, oh, just step your price up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit as you get comfortable. And I don't think there's any wrong way to do it. But I also think that you can, if you go through this process of transforming your belief, you can do that much faster. And so... Tell me what your experience was like the first few times you presented this new price to clients. Like, What was their reaction? Did you get yes right away? Did you get a no right away? Like, What were those first few times like? So the first few times, they were actually okay with the price. So I was getting
1: yeses, uh, more yeses than noes which was a surprise to me the first couple of times I did it. And then that, again, that gave me the confidence. You know, you said to somebody, is that, in, is that in line with what you're thinking? And they go, yeah. <laughs> like,
0: oh, wow. I have sincerely undercharged for Wait, you. what? <laughs> I love that your thought when you said, is that in line with what you're thinking? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've been undercharging. Because it can go another way. Sometimes people can be like, oh, oh my gosh, like I'm a fraud. They're going to think like, you know, it just depends on who you are and what you, for lack of a better word, baggage you're bringing with you, (laughs) like which way that can go. And we'll help you with either one of it. But like, I love for you that you were like, it was just like this. I have been undercharging. Like we can do this.
1: Yeah, and, and it gave me the confidence. And even though it, uh, you know, after the proposal stage, I still might not have got the business. It gave me the confidence that my prices were were where they should be. That that's what I should be charging for
0: years. <laughs> it's uh, so easy now. It seems so simple. Oh my gosh! Yeah, hindsight's always great. Where you're like, wait, what was I doing for all of this time? I could have been doing this. <laughs> Yeah. So tell me about a time that someone told you no. So I think that's something that's always worried me as well is what if they say no?
1: The same with marketing as well, which I'm, I'm sure I'll come on to. But it's what, what if they say no? And it's so what if they say no? It's not personal or well, it might be personal. And if it is personal, I wouldn't have got on with them anyway. They, they're not my ideal client. And by saying yes to everyone, I'm closing doors to my ideal client coming in who I want to work with.
0: So it's fine for people to say, no, we wouldn't have been a good fit. I love that. That's such a beautiful, beautiful thought process. And I think it is, like you said, in your first year, things were kind of slow and things were kind of rough. And I think if you are kind of Shifting into higher prices, and you're hearing people say, "No, you can like make that mean the wrong thing. You can make that mean I'm too expensive or I should lower my prices or things like that, and it's a beautiful way that you're thinking about it is just that like we're just not a good fit, like we're not a good fit, and that's that's okay. I will go find someone that is a good fit, yeah, definitely, yeah. One of the other things that you were experiencing when you came to work with us was just like overworking and burnout. I feel like that was like a big thing for you when you came in. What do you think was your biggest struggle with your workload back then?
1: My biggest struggle was, oh, but there were a couple, there was not having enough time And there was not earning enough money, but it was not having enough time. Also, as I mentioned earlier, I, I didn't really like putting myself out there on social media, but I wasn't quite sure what else I should be doing marketing
0: wise. So I'd say I'd probably say my biggest struggle was marketing. Yeah. What did you change between like, what does your marketing look like now? So my marketing is...
1: I've, so, Is so, this is this something else you've taught me as well. <laughs> I've been a very good student. I'm you are, to, you're I'm, like, like this, this is my course. favorite. <laughs> is uh, outreach. Yeah. And it's something that I'd never considered before. I always thought it was a bit too salesy, a bit too pushy, which isn't me. I think being a commercial buyer as well, I used to have people selling to me all day, all day. But it, Trained salespeople selling to me, and I just thought, Oh my god, I can't be that person! But you don't have to be that person. Outreach, you no, know, I've done so many websites, I've got so many contacts from having done websites that it's not a case of going out there and having to approach strangers to begin with, it's, it's approaching people that I knew. And that's something that you really helped me with. The Web Design Academy really helped me with as well is do the outreach. So I actually set a timetabled outreach into my diary every single day after I'd done all my task blocking that I also (laughs) learned in the Web Designer Academy. So every morning I have an hour of marketing scheduled in for outreach and I follow up on emails or I send a brand new email to somebody. I also do a lot of outreach on LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn is a platform that's really working for me for marketing. So I spend half an hour on LinkedIn connecting with people or messaging people, etc. And and to begin with, when I started doing the marketing, it was only outreach. It was really quite scary. You know, having to press send on my first email. I remember doing that thinking, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. It feels a little bit icky. But once you've done it for a couple of weeks, it's it's absolutely fine. And if they say no, it doesn't matter because you didn't have their business anyway. So you haven't lost anything. I love that. And you I think that I one? Think go that, ahead. No, sorry. It's, uh, yeah, it's, and I think that's something that, you know, to begin with, I was like, what did they say? No, what they say? No. And it doesn't matter. I haven't got their business. So if they say yes now, great. If they don't ever answer my email, I haven't lost anything. At least I've tried.
0: Yes. Yes. And like, it's so interesting that you brought up, you know, when you were at your day job and being sold to all the time and just, you know, trade like, however, people are training salespeople to just call and call right back and leave an email like send an email and send a follow up and a follow up and a follow like and you know just hammer you and we do teach outreach and we do teach like sending emails and we teach following up and things like that but i just remember like there was a distinct difference and and i'm curious if you experienced this too between people i would respond to that reached out to me to sell something to me and other people that would reach out to me To sell something and respond to me. And it was the ones that were for me trying to add value to my life, like helping, educating, connecting, not asking for my time or anything like that. Or can we hop on a quick call or whatever? I'm like, no, I'm so busy. We cannot (laughs) hop on a quick call for you to sell me something I don't want. But it was the ones that would like invite me to a lunch and learn or and, you know there were just there were so many different things that people did to like develop a relationship that when it was like time for we need a new database provider like oh i'm like oh yeah this guy he's been connecting with me for the past year let me reach out to them and see if they want to throw their hat in the ring for this and i feel like we are so afraid of being perceived as the person that we were annoyed by, <laughs> that sometimes <laughs> we don't realize that there is another way to do it.
1: Yes, definitely. I think it, it's not about being salesy; it's about building personal relationships yeah. as well with people—not well, personal, but just relationships with people. So always try and add value. I don't go straight in with sales straight away. It's just about connections. I think we can get. I think running our own businesses as well, we can become quite isolated. Yeah. And most of us work from home as well and only see the same four walls. And I think with COVID <laughs> as well, that's cut down on the interaction with the outside world, actually going outside as well. So it's it's. I think it's a great idea to build up relationships with people, like you said.
0: And, you know, I, like as you were saying that, I kind of had this realization that If you think you're selling a website, it is going to be harder for you to market yourself because it's a whole different way of thinking when you understand what you're really selling. When you really truly internalize that I am creating a tool for them to create the other things that they want in their life and their business, and here's how I do it, and here's why that's so valuable, and here's why we're better collaborating together than you trying to do it on your own. And just that like internal shift, it shifts your pricing, sure. But it also just shifts the way that you connect with people because you're just like, I have something that can add value to your life and business instead of, I'm trying to sell you a website. Do you want a website? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're so right there. So tell me, you found the Web Designer Academy in 2022, is that right? Yes. Do you remember how you found us? I think I think you were talking um, on a summit.
1: Well, probably. And I think I've you talk on a couple of summits, so I'd been kind
0: of semi stalking you a little bit. <laughs> I love being semi stalked. It's the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not fully, not fully stalked. But Likely I, I stalking stalked. me. No,
0: ah, yeah. <laughs>
1: If you appeared on a uh, on a summit, I'd, I'd think it was. Oh, okay, yeah, she's good, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what made you decide to ultimately join us?
1: I was stuck in my business. I was stuck charging what I was charging, and I, I couldn't seem to get above that. And I think I just need I needed some help to do that. I knew that I needed to start appealing to different people as well. And I wasn't quite sure how to do that. A different type of client, I mean, appealing to. And I just, I knew that I needed some help with it. And when I came to one of your seminars, do you call them? Mm -hmm. That was what you said in that seminar just really, really spoke to me. And I thought, oh my God. That is me. she She is describing me. That's exactly where I am in my business, and uh, exactly what I need help with.
0: I think it's really interesting that I think back on what you said earlier, where you're like, oh, I took like I spent six months learning web design from the ground up, and at the end, I was like, "Oh, okay." I know how to do this, but I don't know how to run a business. And I felt found myself in a, in a similar place wow. in the very beginning, where I'm like, "Oh, I've spent all this time. It wasn't structured a structured class like yours, but I spent all this time learning on the job and solving business problems with figuring out the tech and all the things. And when I decided to strike out on my own, I was like, "Okay, now what? Like, how do I get clients? Like, I don't <laughs> even know how. And yes, the skills are valuable. We need the skills to be able to actually like do the thing. But just as valuable, if not more valuable is the skill of running a business and the skill of getting yeah. clients and the skill of sales and marketing and the skill of being able to like manage your mind around the transformations of pricing and all of those things. And one of the things that I hear a lot when people are contemplating working with us is that they're like, oh, I really want to focus on improving my skills before I do any of this. And I'm just like, oh, this is where you need to be because your skills are so valuable as they are right now. They're worth so much more than you think they are. You're good enough and you're going to get paid as you develop your skills. And so I was thinking about that just in conversations that I've had recently like I wish I could like somehow get through to people that like <laughs> this is the ne- after learning the initial skills of like doing the thing this is the next thing to learn cuz once you have this like you've just graduated from the web designer academy and you're yeah. going to take everything that you learned and continue to apply it and continue to increase your prices and continue to improve your processes. And the skills are going to look different in one, two, three years than they looked five years ago, but this isn't ever going to change.
1: Yeah, that's right. I often think it's a a, a male-female thing as well. (laughs) Most most male website developers I meet will fake it You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whereas women are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And they'll want to learn it before they start charging for it. Whereas men seem to be able to go, you know, confidently say they can do it, even if they can't and will learn while they're doing it.
0: I totally agree with you. That has been my experience, just even in, like, in meeting other colleagues in, you know, th- I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with you that like women put a lot of pressure on themselves to already have everything. And yeah. it's just how the society is and how they've made, how like the constructs are and how we've been made to feel and think and believe. And we can just decide we're not playing by those rules anymore. Yes. And just be like, I would love to do that for you. I would love to, while I'm doing your project, dig into color theory and play around with that, with you and your project and like really do some applied learning and get paid for it instead of like solo learning, hoping that I'm good enough to get paid for it. Yeah. yeah yeah no i'm very uh <laughs> I have very strong opinions on <laughs> the challenges <laughs> of women in tech and really helping them like overcome them, and I like walk that fine line of like I don't want to be sexist, but I think sometimes I don't know, I just think the I don't want to be sexist or stereotypical, right? But then at the same time, yeah, I'm yeah, like,
1: yes, that's what, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. But there is <laughs> there is definitely a difference. If you look at most larger, I say larger in inverted commas, web agencies, they're they're run by men and mm-hmm. they're not larger. They just give the impression that they're larger. You know, most yeah. of the time, it, it is just one person. And they outsource to SEO specialists. They outsource to developers. They outsource to copywriters, but they give the impression that they are a large agency when they're not. And you, they, they're, all, they're you know—I I can't think of one that I've found that's run by a woman. They're all run by men.
0: If I'm there sure any women women are, women are out there listening women. that run these large agencies, yeah. we'd love to have you on the podcast. I just had. Rob Howard on the podcast from Master WP and he runs his own web design agency and he like I can't wait for his episode to come out. I don't know if it's coming out before yours or after yours, but the conversation with him around this topic specifically was so good that I'm like, okay, I'm not just imagining this. Like here he is telling me that like yes, like that is how it is. That Men are more able more able, easily able to command higher prices simply because they choose to command higher prices. Yeah, they do they do. they, they, they just that, themselves better yeah, than and that the perception and, and I think also this is probably a whole nother podcast episode, but almost every like I would say nine out of ten women that come to work with us in the Web Designer Academy when they describe their ideal client, their ideal client is also a woman. And in talking to Rob, he basically validated my premise. And I don't know, we both could be wrong. My premise that like men do not see women's, like women in web design, their contributions as valuable as men and that we maybe have to really go hard on, not hard, but just like, we have to prove our value more than a guy saying the same price. They just be like, oh, you're a dude. Yep. Sure. If it's a woman, it's like, oh, well, tell me what I'm going to get from that. What's my return on investment? Like all of those things that we teach you how to do in the program. But like, would you have to learn this if you weren't a woman? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that question. So it's just a topic that it's been really interesting to to talk to men in the industry and women in the industry and really look at the unique challenges that we have. And that's the Web Designer Academy is really designed around helping women overcome the unique challenges we have in the industry that many men don't have. Not all men, but many men don't have. So I could talk about that for like... That should be a podcast episode, but I'm like, do I want to wave wade into that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> so what are you most proud of accomplishing during your time with us? Oh,
1: I think uh confidence, having more confidence in myself and my abilities um I feel that I can. I remember just before I started I was talking to a uh, potential new developer that I was going to be outsourcing to and he was mansplaining to me some technical stuff and uh, you you don't need to you don't need to tell me this <laughs> I didn't actually say that to him as I didn't have the confidence. And I think that that is definitely something. It's not just confidence with, the, with clients or potential clients. It's just confidence in me and my abilities that no man will mansplain to me now.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. That is so good. What surprised you the most about working with us? What was part of the experience that maybe you didn't expect?
1: I think I, I learned a lot from the community as well. Little bits and pieces that I picked up of, you know, the tech that people use, plugins that, that I'm WordPress, I've decided to concentrate solely on WordPress, but plugins that people use. And the, yeah, the camaraderie, I think, on the calls and in the Facebook groups as well. That's definitely something I'm going to miss.
0: That is one of those like unexpected delights. Of creating this program that like, I didn't mean for it to happen. It wasn't like part of the plan. And it like, happened organically that it's like having, I remember my first job. Well, some of my college jobs, but then my very first corporate job, I was in the marketing department and we were just all the best of friends. We had such a good time. You could just get up and walk over to someone else's desk and ask them for help. And I never experienced that again after that job. And then just the community that we have created here is like that. It's like you can. Go and if you're struggling or if you're stuck, you can just basically like tap someone on the shoulder and say, Hey, can you help me out with this? Yeah. And nobody is like, You should already know that. Or, No, I don't. If I help you, then you'll take all my clients. <laughs> like, there's yeah. It's yeah. nothing like that. No rivalry. Everyone's so helpful. And just
1: everybody shares their proposal templates what they look like there's not a you know it, it everybody was lovely in it really lovely and helpful and supportive I think another unexpected delight I had was finding out more about my personality as well with the personality tests drilling down into those and what they mean and that helped me not just with my career and my job it helped me with my personal relationships as well that I suddenly realized oh (laughs) that's why I'm (laughs) friends with that person and that's why I'm not friends with that (laughs) and I get it now and we're never going to be friends and and I understand yeah so it helped me with my
0: relationships as well. I love that I love that one of the things that like just made me so happy about your experience when we were talking about you're graduating, you're taking the option to graduate, which was that like, you're just like, I go to the gym in the middle of the day. I have my time back and that you seem to really kind of have a handle on getting to be in charge of when you're working and when you're not working and how you're living yeah. your life. Yeah, that's definitely right.
1: So, I'm, I'm working. um a lot less hours than I used to <laughs> a lot less very rarely work on weekends now at all, and if I do it's because I choose to and yeah, I've got my life back and yet I'm earning for a lot more money than I was. I'm not doing the client juggling either that I was where I've got five different client websites on the go at the same time it's it's you know it's just one client at a time plus some older clients as well that are on maintenance and retainer packages. I have those and it, it's life is just seems a lot simpler and a lot more enjoyable.
0: Uh, beautiful. Okay. So I'm going to ask you the last question that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. And that is what belief about yourself did you have to change to get where you are today?
1: I had, I had to, the one belief was what I was worth. And it is personal when you run your own business. My belief was was what I was personally worth to other people or my services were worth to other people. So I definitely had to change that.
0: Uh, so good. I could talk to you for another three hours about all of this stuff, but we have to wrap up the show. So can you tell everyone where they can go to connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on
1: uh, LinkedIn. That's where I hang out most of the time nowadays. You can also find me on Instagram and Designs UK, But uh, LinkedIn is my jam now. I was very scared of it to begin with, but I absolutely love it now and I'm
0: embracing it. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Angela Bamford. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. It was a delight to get to talk to you. And yeah, we'll link up all of those links in the show notes for everyone. So thank you so much. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you for inviting me. It's been great. Thank you. Hey, so if you're ready to stop undercharging and overworking, if you want to take back control of your time, work only with the dreamiest of clients and make more money as a web designer than you ever thought possible, get started now by going to webdesigneracademy.com and joining our waitlist. We'll send you exclusive teachings from the current Web Designer Academy so you can start applying our concepts now and you'll be first to know when enrollment opens up again so that you can work with us to completely transform your web design business.